attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. Uh, what is it? Another week. Another week, another episode of Gen D, Generation Disney. That's our best Adam. Yeah, that, that's about that's about all I can do for you at the moment. And now, folks, we don't have Adam today, but you have none other than unpaid intern Ryan, who is behind the um, computer screen and now in front of the microphone tonight. My sincerest apologies to all of the legions of fans who are reaching for the dial to turn it off right now. No, they're not. They're excited. Yeah, I'll do my I'm best. Ex- I'm excited to have you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, Adam had a bunch of work conflicts, so he wasn't able to make it on this week. But fortunately, I have another Disney fan who lives here in my own house and edits my podcast. So, Ryan is back on Gen D today. Hey, happy to be here. Yay! This episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to give you some news up top. And then on the back end, I have a fun little game that I think works well for both of us because we go to Disneyland like twice a month together. So we are going to give you our list of the most underrated things at Disneyland and California Adventure. But you and I each made our own lists and we have not reviewed each other's lists. That's right. I will be curious to see how much, if any, overlap happens. Yes, I know. Me too. I'm curious. Um, Also, I should mention we have a third guest on the podcast today. It is one Marla Pooch, who is laying on the couch next to Ryan. And Ryan made himself a Manhattan in honor of Adam's departure for the week. (laughs) Yep. I got Adam's surrogate uh, whiskey drink here, you know, just to keep the continuity rolling. Cheers. Cheers to Adam. Cheers indeed. And and let's be honest, Marla Pooch is really the glue that holds this entire podcast together. Yeah. Well, okay. We are in a small room with Marla. She just ate and there's a high likelihood this is going to become a flatulent, fragrant room here. Oh, it's already happening. She already Before you even hit record. Oh, man. That's just the world we're living in. Oh, yeah. Right before we came in here, she was farting and... They are foul, folks. If anything, at least this is not a 4D podcast where we add sense into your listening. Real quick, too, I know we have to give a bigger conversation to this topic when Adam returns, but because you also are a massive Scream fan, I think inquiring minds want to know, Ryan, what were your thoughts on Scream 6? No spoilers. Of course. Of course. Uh, Yeah, you know, I was wondering about that because, you know, uh, not only do I edit this show, but I also enjoy listening to it, you know, the the banter between you and Adam and all the fun facts and everything. And so as much as probably anybody else who follows the show, I was also (laughs) looking forward to to hearing you guys get into it now that you've both seen it. Uh, I will say the same thing that I said to you after we walked out of the theater, which was, first of all, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked it better than Scream 5 or Scream 2021, whatever the official title is. Yeah, I think it was really, really fun. Uh, now we're familiar with the the newer cast, uh, and so it was kind of fun to revisit them. And then the whole new setting of New York City was a fun way to switch it up. And they did some things right out of the gate that seemed to suggest to the audience that, oh, this is, you know, the next phase of whatever they're doing with the story. They definitely weren't afraid to try some new things. That being said, it definitely echoed, and I won't go into specifics, but it definitely echoed some of the earlier entries in the franchise in 
a way that uh, maybe if you are partial to those, you would have really loved. And maybe if they weren't your favorites, you might not love them as much. But yeah, overall, um, really enjoyed it. Thought it was a lot of fun. Plus, I think the audience we watched it with was a good audience because everybody totally. was sort of responding in all the right moments. And I found myself at times like, you know, yelling at the screen and really just like having fun uh, in a way that you don't often get to in, in movies like that. But. Yeah. Well, we never <laughs> we're parents. We never go out to movies anymore because it costs us like quadruple the amount because we have to get a babysitter. But we did this time. This was like a big date night for us. Oh, it was an event. It was. We got a babysitter. We had dinner before with our friends. Fan favorite Carly went with us and her husband. Oh, and fan favorite Kim. Oh, she'll be so mad that she was the afterthought on that. You can't forget Kim. Kim was there too. And yeah, it was that whole audience was really fun. I think I found them to be really fun. I think Carly and Mike had some annoying people right behind them who talked the whole time. But either way, my opinion of the movie... I loved it too. I don't know if I loved it immediately after it ended. All the things you said, I love the New York setting. I love the new characters that are established now. I thought all of that was really good. I didn't love the ending as much as I thought. It also, yeah, it mirrored a little bit more of Scream 2, which was good and bad. You know, it's not my favorite in the franchise. So, but then I slept on it and now I'm back to, no, actually, I really liked that movie a lot. So I guess we just have to see it again. Yep. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys aren't here for Scream 6 or maybe you are. Who knows anymore? We talk a lot about Scream. Um, let's get into some Disney news this time. And also because Adam's not here, we're sticking mostly to Disneyland, this news circuit right now. So I guess I'll get started with our mouse musings. Here at Disneyland, this is this is very exciting. Indiana Jones is back open after a three-month closure. Disney said that they dusted every cobweb, skull, and mummy they could find in the entire place for the last three months. They repainted a ton of stuff. They also added updated projections to the ride, and I watched a little video just to see how they look, and they look super cool. Oh, nice. Disney's really figured out the whole, like, I think they call it, like, projection mapping, where, mm-hmm. like, you see it on animatronics now and on the castles. Right and stuff and they're doing that with this ride you can see um the entrance with the three different doors that you go through have like a projection mapping that looks super cool now and then mara the temple mara sure yeah person they is mara a man a woman unclear they them I'll say they. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mara has like a whole new kind of look as well, which is pretty cool. Non-binary deity, maybe? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, they also, and I didn't even know that this was broken, but they fixed the big cobra. You know, that strikes at your car when you go by. Oh, right. Yeah. I guess he's been broken for years. You know what? I don't think I'd really thought about that. But now that you say that, yeah, I, I can remember going on that ride in the early days. You're right. It would strike at you. And yeah. somewhere along the line, it stopped doing that. Yeah. The sound effect would still happen, but it didn't move anymore. Yeah. I mean, you're moving so fast. I don't think you necessarily registered. I mean, I guess it's kind of like the same effect as, you know, in Disney World. At, oh, on, the Yeti. The, yeah, exactly. The Yeti Everest. On, on Expedition Everest. Yeah. 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 But this one's even smaller, so I really didn't notice it. But anyhow, he or they, you know, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to identify a snake. I feel like most snakes we identify as male, but... Maybe this is I think a it's all because of that old Paula Abdul song, you know. What's that song? He's a cold-hearted snake. Oh yeah. 
Maybe it's your cult. Maybe that. Maybe I'm gendering that song. Wait, that's not the Paula Abdul song that had the like Looney Tunes character. In no, it, no, no, it? no. You're thinking opposites attract. Way different. Oh yeah. Oh, we should watch that one. Didn't we add that? Did we add it? I think we did. Okay. Did we watch it already? <laughs> I think we did. Oh, oh man. Uh, I guess we should tell everybody that that's one of our fun things that Ryan and I do. Instead of like watching a movie on a Saturday night or Sunday night, we will make a playlist of our favorite music videos or just iconic music videos. And we'll just hit it on shuffle and watch all those music videos. So if you want to shake it up and not watch a movie one night, highly recommend doing that. Which I should add, I went to go add some new ones to it the other day, and you and I have done this twice now. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. But it's a playlist that you can search. It's called Ryan and Dana's uh, Music Video Extravaganza on YouTube. And there's over 90 views on it. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know who's been watching this besides us, but somebody's been checking it out. It's me. I've been watching it 90 okay. times. Look, I, that doesn't surprise me, actually. Well, okay. So anyhow, back to Indiana Jones. It's back open, which is exciting. Oh, also the rolling boulder is at full capacity. It also wasn't moving. When you got to the end, they had just lights on it. You're right. Yeah. Yeti style. They just had the lights that would kind of go off. But it wasn't really like rolling at you as much. You know, I actually had that thought definitely within the last year or two when we've been on that ride. I did think to myself as you go under it, didn't that used to roll at one point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It was frightening. And now it's uh-huh. back to being frightening. So I love it. I, I want to do it again. I know. Next time we go back, I think that needs to be a priority for us as Indiana Jones. All right, Ryan, you're up next. Oh, oh wow. Okay. A lot of pressure. Uh, (laughs) The first piece of news that I can come up with is that apparently at Space Mountain here at good old Disneyland, they have brought back the single rider line, which I guess has not really been a thing that they've been doing. Yeah. But it's interesting because it's a little bit different than the single rider line that we're used to. So they have the lightning lane that's attached to the ride, which, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but do you pay for the lightning lane? No, not at... Disneyland, you, it's it's included in Genie Plus. Genie, uh, see, I I still get it, confused they about it. The they ins, change it all the time. It's so yeah. silly. But if you have a Lightning Lane for Space Mountain, and say you might be in a group of three or five odd numbers, at this point now, whoever might be in line for the single rider, they're going to get incorporated into your group. Yeah, which is a little bit different because on most rides, it's like. You get in the single rider line, you get to the end where they're actually loading people. And if it just so happens that they have somebody or a vacant spot, they can wave you in and you jump on and make it happen. But this point, they sort of funnel the single riders in with the the lightning lane people. So you might actually end up in line with some lightning lane folks for a bit of the line. Maybe you make some new friends or family. (laughs) Yeah, I know. When I read this, I want to also try it because the Space Mountain line can get ridiculously long, but Mm -hmm. it's worth it because I think we have the best U.S.-based Space Mountain out Mm. here. I don't think the Florida one is as good. The Florida one is a fair bit jerkier. Yeah. And you can see more in it. I think they did an overhaul years ago on our Space Mountain, and it's so much better. And you sit two in a row. So I think that's Mm. why they need a single rider a lot more than the other one. Right. But, yeah, I'm curious how this works because all the other ones, you wait as a single rider all the way up to the very end, and then they just pull you in when needed. And now they're grouping you up so much earlier. Mm -hmm. So you're really truly riding this as a single rider. You're not getting to, like, chat with your friends in line (laughs) any longer. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I I mean, I guess they just opened it up for, like, a test, and I guess it did well. So they're 
letting it ride. But didn't they just, or they're about to do the hyperspace mountain overlay? I'm curious if that will stay as effective as it has been in these first few days that they've been trying this new system out? I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was my next news piece is that, um, sticking with Space Mountain news, Mm. that Disney announced that they're bringing Hyperspace Mountain back for one month, which will coincide with the Star Wars celebration that Disney likes to do. So this is a Star Wars overlay. I'm sure most of you have experienced it by this point because it's been around for like over a decade. But this is a Star Wars overlay to Space Mountain where they pump in Star Wars music. You go into kind of light speed at the very beginning Mm. and it has additional projections to the roller coaster. Um, So Hyperspace Mountain will be around from May 1st to June 5th. So if you have a trip, then you'll get to see Hyperspace Mountain. You know, I'm glad you clarified because even though I was reading up on that a little bit earlier, when I read Hyperspace Mountain, I actually had to think, okay, I've been lucky enough to see Space Mountain with a few different overlays. And I, I truly had to like think back which one was that. Because I know like years ago they did the oh yeah the Red Hot Chili Peppers one. That was the best one. Oh, it was so cool. That like, was so cool. Like in hindsight, like in context of this conversation today in 2023, it seems kind of random, but at the time it made a lot of sense because it was like the launch of, you know, the California Adventure revamp yeah. and all that stuff. So they, they were like leaning no, in on California. It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't? was in 2007. That was before you and I even lived in California. Oh, you're right. We came down here with my parents. We were in college uh-huh. then. Oh, you're and, right. Wow. Um, they had the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then they also had that Stevie Wonder song, Higher Ground, playing yes. on the um, Incredicoaster now. But what was it called? This California Screamin' mm-hmm. back then. But it was the Chili Peppers version of yes. Higher Ground. Yeah, Chili Peppers did both of They the doubled songs. down on Chili Peppers. Yeah. Which um, was, you know, very, hey, California. You here know, for it's it. It's the whole thing. I don't know why they did that, it's but it was so, so cool. Yeah, it was cool. I loved it. it but it also kind of random, <laughs> like, yeah. at this point. Uh, but then the other overlay that I kept confusing it with was the the Halloween one, where like oh, the flaming skull is chasing you yeah, through Space Mountain. I don't love that one so much. I can't remember what they call yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think it, either Chili Peppers or Star Wars is the way to go if you're going to overlay yeah, an I iconic agree. ride like that. I agree. All right, sir. Will you have the next news bit? Well, yeah. The other new thing is Toontown, Toonton, as we like to call it in our house is finally reopening as of March 19th. Yeah, it's open. Uh, Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, as of the moment we're recording this, it has been open for a few days now. And look, I got to tell you, probably much needed. I remember the first time I went to Disneyland in uh, would have been 1994 was right around the time Toontown first opened. Mostly just remember it being really hot and sweaty. Yeah. Kind of miserable. I liked the Roger Rabbit ride, but and, you know, meeting the characters and going to their, you know, houses and everything was a lot of fun. But overall... I remember thinking like, oh, that was fun, but not everything the commercials really pumped it up to be. But looking at this new sort of revamp, it's like they've kind of reimagined the whole thing. And, you know, they're introducing new characters and like, you know, bringing Pete in there, which I think is really fun. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've never seen Pete in any of the parks before, right? No, this is this is Pete. He's OG. He's been around since I think before, technically before Mickey Mouse. I think you're right about that. But yeah, this is the very first time Pete will have be a costumed character that you can go do meet and greets with. And the um, costume looks really cool. I have to say that I, yeah. I saw a photo of it and I was like, oh, man, that looks so fun. Like, I know he's usually played as a villain, but look, we've watched enough Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and and the like with uh, with Ray over the years that 
you know, yeah, he's usually played as a villain or a foil or whatever. But yeah. sometimes he's just a guy that wants to be included in the group. I know. know. So it's kind of cool that he's <laughs> getting that now. He's like a misunderstood villain. Yeah. He has, I think he doesn't always have the best intentions. He's a little misguided, but he's actually kind of sweet. Yeah. But as far as like, I, I know it says it's a, like a full reimagining of the land. I, I guess I don't really know what completely to expect as we walk in there yet. But I mean... From just the couple photos I've seen here and there, it looks like they've kind of overhauled the place, which, to be honest, it definitely needed. The last yeah. few times we've been there, you know, with with Adam and Kurt and obviously Ray and the kiddos and stuff. It's like, you know, sort of was not far off from what I remembered as a kid, which was yeah. not much. Well, when I did that vault on Toontown a couple weeks ago, that was I've learned a lot. And basically, you're exactly correct. Once they made Toontown, they never really refurbished it. They just kind of left it. Mm-hmm. To be what it is. And then they just kept stripping all the things out of Toontown that ended up being like child hazards, you right. know, like a ball pit and slides and stuff. Which, you know, listening back to that made a lot of sense because I do remember a couple of years ago going through the, uh, was it the Chippendales treehouse? Yeah. With Ray and thinking it's kind of an up and down. There's really not much here. And then, yeah, kind of learning that, oh, this was a remnant of something that yeah. had a bit more to it. Like that actually kind of made a lot of sense. Yep. Exactly. Um, okay, well, cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's basically the news for the the week. I think there's a few more things. I know I didn't do a lot of research on this, but it was just announced that a brand new island that's owned by Disney is going to be part of the Disney Cruise Line oh, wow. family, which will also be out in the Bahamas. So that's very exciting information. That is um, exciting. I'm sure we'll come back at you guys with more of those details. And they did just announce 2024 cruising dates. So, and they're going everywhere. They're going to Alaska. They got a big European cruise. Ryan, are you excited about our cruise? We got just a, under a month until we are on the Disney Wish. I will say, yes, definitely excited. It has seemed kind of like an abstract concept to me really since we've booked it up to this point in a lot of ways even though you know I've, we've learned a lot about it i've gotten here uh adam get super pumped about it which has only made me more pumped but i have to say we finally sat down and watched last night at least the first half or third of the disney plus documentary i can't remember yeah. the exact title of it it's just making of the Disney wish. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what it is, is the making of the Disney wish. And I was telling you, you know, we turned it off because we're, you know, old, boring people and we couldn't make it through the whole thing without getting sleepy. But I think I did fall asleep in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, but as we were uh, getting into bed, I was like, they are so great at making these documentaries. I've heard you refer to it as uh, Disney propaganda. Maybe a little bit true. Oh, but I'm here for it. I love <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, First of all, it was fascinating seeing how the ship was built. I don't think I'd ever sat down and thought about exactly how a massive cruise ship like that gets put together. I mean, the fact that it's such a modular, you know, situation where it's almost like Legos on a massive scale in a weird way. And, you know, how all of like the staterooms are, you know, made off site and they're completely furnished and finished. And then they just kind of slide into the finished structure and then get welded in place and become part of the mass, but also just watching that ship be built by all these like amazingly talented people in the height of COVID and the shutdown and everything. I mean, it was kind of just remarkable to see that sort of scale of accomplishment happen on that, you know, level of skill and quality. And 
And by the end, I was like, oh, well, I'm emotional for these people that are, you know, <laughs> finally seeing this thing come to fruition and the boat is, you know, coming out of the, I forget what they call the building, but it's being born out of the shop where they're actually putting this thing together. And uh, I mean, that was just really fun to watch and only made me more pumped to to be yeah. there in a few weeks. Yeah, I can't wait. We're going to have so much fun. I love the doc. If you guys haven't watched it. You guys should watch it, even if you don't have a cruise coming up. It's just fun. But I thought it was fun for us because it got us pumped up. Yeah, definitely. I think my favorite thing, and I mentioned this when we were watching it, my favorite thing so far is like watching how they pre-built all of the staterooms um, and then like hoisted them into the structure mm-hmm. of the of the ship via like a crane. Yeah, yeah. And I turned to you and I said, that's exactly what they did with the contemporary, the very first Disney hotel That's in right. Florida. It was identical. They pre-made the rooms on the ground in a in a warehouse, and then lifted each of those rooms into that structure. Just so, so crazy. Yeah, just kind of cool. Okay, so folks, now we are going to do our list of the most underrated things at Disneyland and California Adventure. I think we've done like an underrated and overrated episode a long time ago with adam where we would talk about a topic and decide if it was underrated or overrated this time i just want to tell you guys like these are the things that ryan and i find are super underrated as people who go to the park so often we see that either these areas don't have a lot of crowds or people aren't utilizing these rides or this area or these features so strap in like these are our tips for you do you want to go first Ladies first. Okay. I have 11. I told you I had nine and I added okay, a couple right. more. I don't know how many I have. I think it's maybe comparable to that. Maybe less. Well, we probably have some that are the same. So yeah. we'll just, you know, let right. me know. We're, we're going to find out. Okay. So my number one, like they're not ranked, but my first one that I think is super underrated, even still, and it's been around for like two years now, is mobile ordering. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think enough people take advantage of it. And I think a lot of people do. But it is kind of one of the best features that has come out of the pandemic at Disneyland. I and would say so. There's a lot of not great things that have come out of the pandemic from the pandemic <laughs> at Disneyland. But this is a really good one because you can hop on your phone, you can order, and you can order hours in advance if you want. You can order 20 minutes in advance. But essentially, it's just saving you from waiting in a line. It buzzes your phone when your food is ready. You don't have to, you know, just be kind of grumbly and hot in like a quick service line. And we do it often when we know like in an hour from now, our kid's going to need lunch. So we'll order it while we're in line for It's a Small World. And then when we get off, we know we can walk right over to Pizza Planet or wherever mm-hmm. we've ordered from. Yep. And their food is ready. And it, there is nothing better. Pizza Planet's just okay. But there is nothing better than ordering from Pizza Planet and seeing this super long line of people waiting to order 100%. regularly. Yep. And you're just like, I got this fast pass. The fast pass for pizza. Yep. <laughs> So mobile ordering. Oh, it's so true. And even the the busier places, you can really just look at the app and see, you know, what the next available time is. And it really kind of gives you a sense of how busy a place is. And, and, you know, yeah, you can really, like you said, just sort of bypass the line and plan your next few steps around whatever your next mobile order might be. And also if you're, you know, the mood strikes you and you're like, hey, I want a Mickey pretzel over here. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Or uh, what does Adam call it? The fiddle faddle. Fiddle faddle. Fiddle faddle a little bit and then, you know, 
Yeah, again, just skip the line. I will say there are a few good things technologically that have come out of the pandemic. That is absolutely one of them. And it makes me think of, you know, now when you go to a restaurant, at least in L.A. and I'm sure like any other bigger city where you sit down, do your QR code menu thing and order right from the table. It's kind of like that, but on a much more like massive scale, which I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. What do you have? Well, okay. So when you brought this up to me, the first thing I did was open my my Disneyland app and take like a virtual walking tour through the parks to kind of get a sense of like, okay, what do we do in a day? What are the things that I like that may or may not get the love that they deserve? The first thing, as I took my virtual stroll into the Disneyland park, very first thing to me is the Disneyland Railroad. Oh, wait, do I have that on mine? I do, riding the Disneyland train around the park. You know, it's it's not something that when people plan a trip to Disneyland and, you know, they're thinking about all the big rides they got to do, you know, Space Mountain, Rise of the Resistance, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't think anybody's necessarily thinking, I can't wait to take that train around Disneyland. But when you sit down and do it, it's, I mean, it's not a huge thrill ride. It's not mm-hmm. like going to blow your mind with technology or whatever, but you really do get the most like unadulterated feel of like kind of what Walt's initial vision was for the park. And like, you really kind of feel his fingerprint on it. And the fact that it's not this huge technological, you know, extravaganza or, you know, super big thrill ride, I think works in its favor because you really do see like, you know, all the little dioramas and all of the, you know, like basic animal animatronics as you're going through like Frontierland or like, you know, the Grand Canyon, the well, dinosaur stuff. Yeah, like, let's it, not forget the world's largest diorama are the yeah. Grand Canyon and the dinosaurs. And those are made made from Walt. Uh-huh. Like he, those are his vision. You can watch old 1960s videos of him talking about them on the wonderful world of Disney mm. on, you know, the evenings, hours. I love it. I feel like it's true to original Disneyland. Yeah. It's always a good reset. If you guys are tired in the day and you're like, okay, I just need to sit down. Like riding the whole train all the way around is going to be like 30-ish minutes, yeah, maybe longer. Sure. But if you're just like, I just want one little little bit, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. So underrated. The line is always short-ish. I think I've waited at most 20 minutes Yeah, for a I mean, I, I feel like that's probably the cap to get on it. And yeah. I mean, granted, you do get from one station to the next and you wait for more people to get on. So there is that you know, moment of, okay, we're going to sit here for a second while we get our next group of people. But, you know, yeah, it, it exactly. It's a nice reset. And yeah, you're right. I'd forgotten that. It is the world's largest diorama, which in hindsight is like the nerdiest world record to hold. But totally. I, I'm 1000% here for it. <laughs> yep, big, big fan. Also, I should say that on my first trip to Disneyland in 1994, I was on the Disneyland Railroad and I had just gotten a brand new Mickey ball cap. Aww. But it was red plaid and had, had Mickey's face on it. Yeah. And I remember being so, like, just in awe. Because I don't think I'd ever been on a train train before yeah. that. And sticking my head out of the car and then turning around looking where we were going, looking in, oh, to the no. front. And the wind blew my hat right off. Oh, and I remember no. thinking, I got this hat 
30 minutes ago. It's already gone. And a testament to the Disney staff. Not less than an hour later, it had already made its way to Lost and Found, and I got that hat. Oh, good. You and your family love to lose their stuff in the Disney parks. We had to go get your mom's <laughs> phone last year because uh-huh. she dropped it on Tower of Terror. Yes, she did. Yeah. Yep. This is not. And you've lost glasses. Yeah, didn't rides. get those yeah. back. You know what? This might be more of a Johnston thing as I think about it. I'm not going to deny it. So my next one, my next thing that I think is underrated, I'm taking us over to California Adventure. All right. I think, and this is specific, that the Carthay Circle Alfresco Dining is underrated. Mm. Not Carthay Circle. That's right. a fancy sit-down meal that you, you have to reserve. You also have to reserve the Alfresco Dining. This is, again, something that I think came around in the pandemic, and they yeah. just kept it here. Mm-hmm. But here's why I think it's so great. One... This is an easy reservation to get. And you're sitting in either the interior like bar area or outside where you can see all of the Buena Vista Street fun kind of Main Street type stuff over there. But the food prices are really good. It's like good adult stuff that mm-hmm. you can get. Their bar menu is also delicious. You can get anything that's in the regular bar menu right. at Carthay Circle. Yeah. Um, they sell like a $10 rosé over there that I love. And let me tell you, you cannot get a $10 glass of wine anywhere else in California Adventure. They're like 12 bucks minimum. Oh, okay. But there, it's only 10 bucks. I also want to just point out like one of the things that we always get are the bao buns with the braised pork belly and oh, the cucumber kimchi so on the side. It's $19 and you get I think two or three of them. I want to say three. I think you get three. They got the crab cakes. I think their menu switches in the summertime, but they've got some good stuff. I'm going to show you. They got the filet mignon beef skewers. This food is legit and everything on here is between 15 to 22 dollars i think that it's worth it you can share a couple of things and here's my other tip there's nothing on this menu for ray she's not going to be interested in some pork belly bao buns no not even a little bit no but across the street is award wieners which has a kid's hot dog meal that you can get and this is what i always do i go over there i buy her for 10 bucks the kid's meal I bring it over to the alfresco dining section, and she eats it at our table when we eat our food. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Disney. They don't care if you're bringing outside food because you're all really just inside in the parks. So yeah. that's just a hot tip for any of you with kids out there who you don't make reservations at the alfresco dining because you don't think they're going to want anything. Mm-hmm. They do have a kid's menu, but it's it's pretty sparse, and it's a lot of like – Chicken, I think. Yeah, no, um, I, I think that's a hot tip of yours, and that's one that I would suggest to any parent that wants to spend any amount of time at the Alfresco Dining. And one thing that's, I think, really cool about Carthay Circle in general, and I think this has been true of all the years that we've been going there, is that the menu is, for one, always good, and secondly, they are always updating it, which can be a, a good or bad. Like, if you get really attached to one thing, it might not be there the next time you go, but yeah. something amazing certainly will be. Yeah, so Yeah, sure. big, big fan. Now, as you say al fresco, what I picture are the people, like, on the sort of outdoor seating. Yeah, yeah. That- but, which I personally haven't sat out there. You maybe have. I have one time with Kim, fan favorite Kim Moffat. Of course, Moffitt. of course. I have sat out there once with her in the summer. 
But like 90% of the time I'm seated inside. Well, and that's what I was going to ask because my memory of, you know, having done that a couple of times is always the indoor seating, but that is still considered the alfresco. Do you remember last time we sat there, you had taken Ray to the bathroom. Oh, I know exactly where you're going. You came back and my face, I looked like the Grinch. (laughs) My grin was like ear to ear. I was so ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what's wrong with you? It's like... Holly Madison just walked past me. Oh, I remember it well. And she smiled at me. Yes, she she was also eating at the Carthay Circle Alfresco dining section. Alfresco with her style. So if it's good enough for Holly Madison, then it's good enough for you folks. You know? Okay. What do you have? What's up next? All right. Well, if we've traveled over to California Adventure, I guess I'll uh, I'll follow suit. Uh <laughs> This is not necessarily something for me or as an adult in particular, but one thing that I always appreciate whenever we go there with Ray. And one thing that I think is absolutely an underrated ride is Jesse's Critter Carousel. Oh, because look, everyone knows the Disneyland Carousel and it's iconic and truly not ever a huge line for that. Yeah. But that being said, whenever we're over at DCA with with Ray, if we happen to go by Jesse's Critter Carousel, we're going to get on that ride in a matter of one to two minutes. Yeah. And she loves it every bit as much as the classic Disneyland Carousel. It's cute. It You're riding a cartoon. Mm-hmm. You get all your Toy Story buddies everywhere. It's so, like, not a huge dent in your day. And it's such an easy thing to just hop on, hop off, and maybe yeah. even hop back on again if you want to. And then continue with whatever you're doing. And, and you know, it brings instant smiles to the kiddos' faces. And quite frankly, you know, mine too when I'm on it with her. You know what? Can we also, for that matter, say that Disney's California Adventure underrated as a kid's park. I think everybody, Mm. they're buying a one-day park and they don't go that often. They pick Disneyland because it's very iconic. I think there are more rides for Ray and and more rides just in general that kids like over at DCA than there are at Disneyland. Mm. I mean, they've got Fantasyland over there, so it's got a lot in one section. Sure, yeah. But the rest of the sections are not as, like, young kid friendly at Disneyland yeah. versus DCA. You've got cars land. You've got P- the pier Pixar pier. Mm-hmm. You've got silly symphony suite. You got all this stuff that little mermaid. Yeah. We're going to get into a lot more of these examples, I think, because I have some of them on here. All but, right. All right. All right. Let it um, ride. But I love it. Okay. Well, we'll just stay with that thought. And I, maybe I'm just going to roll these two, these three in. I was going to say that DCA has some really great underrated rides specifically over at Cars Land, Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters. You know what? I almost added that to my list, but then I realized I think I've done it maybe once, so I don't know if I was qualified enough to mm. add it to my list. But I, 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 I really want to hear what you have to say about it's it. It's underrated, my friend. You need to try it again. It is just a delight. And and for that matter, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, also a delight. Big, big fan. Our daughter loves them, too. But Luigi's is so adorable. So it's dancing cars. I think it's two people per car, maybe three if you can squeeze a little kid in there. And they play like a series of five or six different songs. And they're all like Italian but classic songs that we all know. And they the cars dance around each other. So think like kind of like bumper cars, but they not bumper. You don't touch each other. Yeah, they're almost like weirdly choreographed. They are. Like I really want to yeah. know like what is the technology behind that because there's – Definitely some imagineering that has gone into making all of that happen. Yeah, it's all trackless. It definitely looks like a synchronized swimming with adorable cars. So highly recommend it. 
adults, kids, it doesn't matter your age. It's just really fun. I also recommend it at nighttime because at nighttime, they got all the lights out and it's really pretty. Yeah, I can remember one night we were nearing the end of our day there and we just ended up. That was the hottest day in the universe. It was that day. Oh, it was that day, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Ray and I were eating an ice cream over right by the Luigi ride. That's right. And we ended up there and we just watched the cars dance for like a good 20, 30 minutes before we made our way out of the park. Yeah. And on home. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, sir. All right. Let's see. What what do I have next? Okay. I'm going to go back to to Disneyland for a second. I don't know if this exactly qualifies because it's not an attraction. It's not something any guest can do per se. It's not a restaurant. But again, when I was on my little virtual walking tour, I couldn't help but stop and think about it. And it's just something that's there if you know it's there. And if you stop and take a minute to appreciate it. Uh, it's Walt's apartment up above the firehouse. Yeah. Uh, and he's always got that little lamp there. And n- I'm sure 90% of people don't know about it, don't know it's there, will never notice it. But I always, whenever we're there, on our way in, on our way out, I always stop and just kind of like, you know, look up there and uh, appreciate that really this entire thing that we're sitting here talking about is the brainchild of one crazy dude that put it all together, yeah. you know, for better or worse. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. And if you don't know this, though, I imagine you do because you listen to a Disney podcast. They keep the light on in Walt's apartment year round, 24 seven. And it's just an homage to the man himself, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And as you know, both of us worked at Disney World and obviously he's got his fingerprints all over that because that was also something came out of his brain i think disneyland has a bit of extra magic in it because that is the park that he you know built himself he he spent a lot of time there with his family with his children and i think that there's something about that that no other disney park has like you you just you you feel that vibe and that residual sort of you know yeah i agree energy magic whatever you want to call it okay well to add to that this is another one of my underrated pieces to stay on Main Street. I added that the museum section before Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln is also underrated. Yeah. Not a lot of people go in there. Okay, look, hey, folks, not a lot of you (laughs) go to Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, and that's a travesty. You really should. It's part of our American history. It's also part of our Disney history because Walt made this ride for the uh, 1964 World's Fair, and it's basically left untouched if you... Recall the vault, go back and listen. But the ride itself is great. And the attraction right before you go in has this great kind of museum. It rotates sometimes. So you'll see new stuff every once in a while. But most of the time they have like old Disneyland relics and they have Walt's bench that he sat on at Griffith Park where he came up with the idea of making a family-friendly theme park. Yeah, that's the thing that always jumps out of my mind is because, you know, it's such a famous story at this point. Like he's at Griffith Park on the carousel, just Wishing he could take part in this with his kids instead of just sit there watching them have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that they have that bench where you're sitting. I mean, it's just. It's that's so just cool. Not just a piece of Disney history, but I, I feel like also just a piece of L.A. history, even though I know Disneyland isn't L.A. proper. But I feel like in some yeah. broad sense, it's all Southern California, all sort of Los Angeles showbiz history. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah, stop in there. You'll see like a diorama of Disneyland. You'll see some of the old sketches, the original sketch of where he wanted to put Disneyland, which was over in Burbank. 
and this is maybe a little more inside baseball because we live here in the valley, but the area that they wanted to put it in, which was butting up against Riverside and the LA River, was tiny. Mm -hmm. And it's almost laughable because you think about what they have done at Universal Studios, which was like literally down the street. Like Mm -hmm. they would have been neighbors. Yeah. And Universal is stuck that way. Universal Hollywood, they don't have a lot of space to expand. They've done a lot with what little that they have. But look, I even pointed it out to Ray one day when we were driving by the Disney Studios. I said, you know what? They almost put Disneyland here. And Ray, a six-year-old, laughed and said, there's no room there. Yeah, she's not wrong. (laughs) Okay, well, sticking with Disneyland, I want to also mention another underrated food item that is not underrated in our family. It's turkey leg, isn't it? No, it's not the turkey leg. Okay, I had to ask. This is not underrated. This is overrated, maybe in in a way, because oh. we get this a lot. Okay, but I don't think anybody else gets this. So I want to I want to share this tip to all of you, and that is over at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Ronto wrap. Ooh, big big fan. Yep. Yeah, I don't think we can gatekeep the Ronto wraps any longer. If you haven't gotten one. Go get one next time you're there and specifically get the breakfast one. I was gonna say if you get there early enough, breakfast, highly recommended. I mean yeah. they're 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 good at all hours of the day. But if you can get in there in time for the breakfast and yeah. if you can have Sierra Leone with you with the fanny pack full of hot sauce. Or just bring your own hot sauce if you don't know Sierra. No, Leone. it's gotta be from Sierra's fanny pack or else it's not good enough. What are we doing? Okay, so the Ronto wrap is $13.49. This is the breakfast one. It's scrambled eggs, grilled pork sausage, shredded cheddar cheese, peppercorn sauce, and it's all wrapped in a pita. If you want to get, they have a plant-based one that they serve as well. And then they have, yeah, a regular Ronto wrap that just doesn't have the scrambled egg basically in it. But the scrambled egg makes it, in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. you have to order it before 10 a.m. But here's our other tip. Back to my other underrated thing, mobile order this the second you walk in. You can even, if you're in downtown Disney and it's like nine o'clock and you're walking, you can order it from there. Put that order in, plan on going and getting that. It is delicious. And yeah, it's not cheap. It is, you know, $13.50, but you can split it. Yeah, here's what I'll say. And, And as somebody who's not always hot on splitting meals. No, you're not. And I wish you were a little bit more interested in splitting meals. Sir. But I have split the Ronto wrap and it's true. Like if you get in there at breakfast time, you split it. Yeah, In the moment you might be like, oh, I wish I had the other half of the Ronto. Yeah. You're going to be fine. All right. Do you have any more? Uh... Of course. I'm going to stick with Disneyland and I'm going to say the Red Rose Tavern is also an underrated food spot. Yeah. Here's what I'm basing this on and truly... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if this is even still here, but this is coming from the fact that one morning we went there with uh, another fan favorite, Sierra Leone, you know, the keeper of the fanny pack. And we had one of the best breakfasts, breakfast, breakfasts there. Uh, and I got the Gaston's breakfast burger. And if I remember right, it was uh, a burger that had some sort of egg situation on it. But, oh, man, it was it was very solid. Well, now they're calling it the gourmet breakfast sandwich which it's an herb blend and a creme fraiche egg with a maple butter spread, monster cheese, crispy bacon on a toasted English muffin served with tavern potato bites. Now, the one I'm remembering was on, I feel like it was a brioche bun, but look, I will happily switch that out for an English muffin. And plus they have so much other awesome stuff on the uh, on the menu. I, I think it's, it's a nice little place to sort of take a break when you're over at Fantasyland, whether it's breakfast, lunch, whatever. 
it's got some cool architecture. I love the the look and the vibe of the place. And yeah, I agree. Now, Fantasyland, I think, is a little overrated. And I will say, I think half the reason why the Red Rose Tavern is underrated for us is because we never go there. And when we do, we're always so pleasantly surprised. Right. Because when you're passing by this section, it's over by the bathrooms and um, Casey Jr. It's easy to walk right it's on by. It's easy to walk past it. And it's easy to look over to your left and see a lot of like screaming kids and families being upset because they're trying to find seats and they're holding their food. Trying to get to Star Wars land. Yeah. It, it just It's like a little bottlenecky right there. But I will say once we've sat down, all that noise kind of goes away mm-hmm. and it's fine. So we should go there next time and then once you sit down and relax then you can just kind of watch all that chaos go by yeah appreciate that you're not part of it (laughs) yeah 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 they also just brought back the breakfast menu they didn't have it until a couple months ago. you're right i remember we tried to go there shortly after the park reopened and it wasn't there and i remember being a little bit disappointed in that but yeah there Ooh, for lunch they have loaded potato bites Braised beef, gravy, and cheese curds on tavern potato bites topped with pickled onions. Okay. All right. I'm interested. I could get down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving right along. I'm going to stay in Disneyland. I've got a couple right. last ones, but this one's Disneyland related. I would say another underrated, and this is kind of more of a resting spot, but another underrated area of Disneyland is over at the Harbor Gallery, which is across from the Haunted Mansion. Mm. You'll remember this, Ryan, because on the hottest day in the universe, we went last September. Right. We went and sat there and ate a churro. Yes, we did. And fanned ourselves with all the various fans and and neck towels that we brought. Mm -hmm. But I bring this up because even on the very hottest day on the surface of the sun that we were existing on, it was actually quite comfortable over there because it's very shaded. And the other side of this Harbor Gallery area is the Rivers of America Mm -hmm. and the Mark Twain Island. Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer Island. Thank you. So it's quiet. It's nice. The music that you're hearing is like remnants of Haunted Mansion and New Orleans Square. Definitely. So the like easy vibes, it just is very relaxing and it's almost all shaded. They've got some big trees and umbrellas over there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very pretty. I would say that's a great spot if you're looking for a relaxing, quiet, like de-stimulant spot go sit over there for a minute yeah i will say on that day which it bears repeating it was about 118 degrees by the time we found that spot to sit down we were all drenching ourselves in our you know mickey what we call the the neck towels and you know whatever else we could find to keep ourselves cool and i remember thinking like okay finally we're comfortable and i really truly feel like that's kind of where we got over the hump of Mm -hmm. the heat of the day but within that i remember sitting there thinking i'd never spent any time here i don't think anyone really knows this little pocket yeah of disneyland i mean not anyone but you know it's not one that is heavily traveled in and uh yeah definitely worth a worth a few minutes to go unwind and you know reset recalibrate before you Figure out whatever your next step is for the day. Yeah. It's also really close to the beignet stand, which is temporarily closed. But when it reopens, hmm. that's what we also did. We got beignets and then went over and sat right there. That's true. So enjoy it. Yes, indeed. All right. Do you have any more? Ooh, I've got plenty more. All right. Let's see. Uh, I'm only down to two more. I don't know how you I, 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 I have to choose. Okay. I'm going to take us back to DCA because I have one more and I also have an honorable mention. Okay. But we'll save that for a minute. 
the underrated uh, at DCA that I want to point out, I don't know if it's necessarily as underrated as some of the other things we've been talking about, but as far as mobile ordering and walking up and just kind of taking it and going about your business, it is one of the easiest things to do, and it is the Pacific Wharf Distribution Company. Oh, uh, a.k.a. Carl Strauss. Carl Strauss, you yeah. betcha. Look, if you're looking for a quick refreshment, whether it's a pretzel or a, you know, a delicious beer. No, that's it. It's just pretzels and beer. Yeah. They don't sell anything more. I'm saying you can get those at a lot of places. Oh, okay. At California Adventure, for yes. sure. But at a lot of them, you're going to be waiting 20, 30 minutes until your order is up. At the Carl Strauss beer cart, no matter what, doesn't matter what time of day, doesn't matter how busy the park is, when you pull up that mobile order, it's pretty much instantaneous. It is. It is. And I love it. It's so great. I mean, and plus, it's in a really cool part of the park, so you can easily sit there, you know, enjoy the you know covered tables, which we've done with our friends many, many times, or just go get it to go and then... You know, go on whatever attraction you're headed to next. Our other favorite spot, because it's right, it kind of straddles between um, the Pacific Wharf. It's technically on the Pacific Wharf side, but it's right next to the backside of Cars Land. And so we will often grab a beer and then go sit at the gorgeous location that looks like the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. that is the Radiator Springs Racers. For sure. And we'll have a beer right there. I have so many pictures of. Us sitting there, beautiful, like, sunsets are happening. Ray's got a big old Mickey bar, and she's chomping down. I was going to say, that specific location has definitely gotten a fair bit of lip service on this podcast, as it should, because it yeah. that right there, off the record, is another really underrated spot, I think, in any of the Disney parks. Yeah. It's kind of in between uh, so many things. There's no real reason to stop there other than that, like, it's a great view. Yeah. Of, you know, Radiator Springs racers going by and just people walking by or sort of between two different lands. Yeah. It's the best view. It's stunning. Yeah. Super stunning. Oh, Marla doesn't feel that same way. Hi, Marla. Yeah. You're on the podcast. Your growl is on the podcast. Okay. Well, sticking with DCA, I have another underrated. Marla. Everyone hold for Marla so she can get back on the couch to be next to but dad. She can't take my spot. Oh, she's trying to take your spot. Of course she is. Goodness gracious. Um, another underrated spot at California Adventure is the animation building. I mean, this is, again, mm-hmm. a fan favorite of ours. Every time we go in there, it's usually very empty, unless it's an insanely hot day. But, like, I don't think people even know it exists. Um, this is over in the Hollywoodland section of DCA. It's called the Animation Building or the Animation Academy. When you walk in, there's like four or five different experiences you can have in there. There's Turtle Talk with Crush. There's like an interactive storybook area that's very much like the Beast's Library. That's fun. They have one of the coolest features, which is go draw an animated character. One of my all-time favorites. A Disney animator. That's the Animation Academy. You can also go meet Anna and Elsa inside there. So parents, if you have kids who need to meet Anna and Elsa, this is an indoor line. We're talking air conditioning. And it's also delightful because I think of all of it, the best part is just sitting in this middle section Mm -hmm. and seeing all these gigantic screens around you that are playing a montage of Disney music paired with scenes from those movies. And not just a montage of music and scenes from the movies, but if you have any appreciation for like the behind the scenes of like, you know, how these classic animated films are made, they show you a clip of a song and then they kind of, you know, zoom out and show you 
here's some of the storyboards here, like some of the rough sketches and, you know, here, maybe some of the rough animation before it was drawn in and colored. And you kind of, even as you're just, you know, sitting there, maybe relaxing, you know, taking five from whatever you've done before or about to do. Uh, it's a really cool way to sort of unwind and recharge and at the same time sort of, you know, get a, a little bit of behind the scenes magic, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm always a sucker for the behind the scenes stuff. I agree. I have one more. Do you have one more? I have an honorable mention, and then I'm going to give you one more underrated. Okay. My honorable mention, I feel like I have to point out, because we've spent so much time just ruminating on uh, how awesome California Adventure is. There is a ride that I would consider underrated that is there right now called Emotional, Emotional Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Okay, great ride. Fine. That's not what I'm trying to talk oh, to you about. I know what you're going to talk to me about. What used to be there? Yes. Before... Oh, Ryan. Before... Pixar Pier was uh -huh. as it is, which is amazing. I, I'm I am certainly not throwing any shade on Pixar Pier. They've done an amazing job revamping that section of the park and really the whole park in general. But I, I need to take a moment to point out before Emotional Whirlwind was a mainstay at that particular part of the park, there was an amazing ride called the Malaboomer. I know. I know. I know. It was amazing. And you, it was underrated. It was underrated. Massively underrated. This is the ride that would shoot you up really high, and then you'd kind of slowly come back down. Oh, it was the best. You'd strap in, and it was one of those rides that, like, built the anticipation. You could hear the countdown. When is it going to happen? And then suddenly, before you're ready, it shoots you in the air. Here's the thing that really <laughs> turned people off about this ride. The puke shield? Yeah. Yeah. The vomit shield. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think it was ever a vomit shield. I think it was. It a, wasn't. It was a bird shield. Yeah. So no a, one gets Fabio'd while they're up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the thing. Sir, you crack me up. This is a underrated of contemporary Disney stuff. I just, I felt like I had to give it the homage it deserved. But that being said, okay, we've gotten that out of the way. The last thing I'm going to mention, we talked about Ballast Point at Downtown Disney. Yeah. We love it. But the fact is, everyone loves it. That's why it's sometimes hard to get in there. So I think it's not underrated because people love Ballast Point. What I think is a little bit underrated, and it won't be for much longer because it's about to go away, is the Catal Restaurant. Oh, I, yeah. I don't even know why you're bringing it up because I think it's like closing in like a week or two from now. Oh, but really? I agree. Catal is pretty legit. Like they've got a good menu, um, really great indoor seating. You can almost always do a walk up to that place. And because it's so underrated that nobody knows it's there. Um, so if you're looking for like a nice cocktail, a nice meal, and you want to sit down and be away from the crowds, that's the place to go. Yeah. If there was ever a day that we wanted to go to Ballast Point and the wait was a bit longer than what we were in for, we knew Catal was there waiting for us with Open just arms. as high quality food with, and maybe on some days, maybe even better food. Yeah. But, you know, I'm Always sure, great I'm sure they're going to carve it out and make room for something even more awesome. What that is, I don't know. But. It's just better not be another Starbucks. <laughs> okay, my very last one to cap this all off, staying with California Adventure, a favorite of yours, mine, and our mostly our daughter Ray's, the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. Oh, MVP. This, this is so underrated. I can't believe how many people don't know this exists. I even have a fellow travel agent who had spent nearly no time there. So I just bring this up to say that, like, this is essentially a incredible playground that is necessary if you've got kids really at any age level. This is such a great place for kids ages like 
zero to 12, 13 years old because there's so much to climb and see and explore. It's mirrored, obviously, after the Redwood Creek National Park or the Redwood National Park up in Northern California. So they've got these big sweeping redwoods. You can walk through one of them. They've got cool like music and nature sound effects going on everywhere. Currently, Ray really loves walking through the redwood that's carved out like the ones you can drive through in Northern California. She loves to stop in there and call out at at the bird to see if the bird calls back, which it usually does. It almost always does for her. Um, They've got like a little waterfall, but then they've got like a little splash area and a slide. Ray also really loves the rock climbing wall right now. They've got a zip line. They've got a ton of different like ropes coursey type bridges that you can walk across. And they're really fun. Every time I'm there, I see kids of all ages having the best time. And I think it's important to factor in that your kid probably needs a little time to like run it out if they've been in lines all day Mm -hmm. that day. And this is by far the best playground on the West Coast, Disneyland and and DCA. I'm trying to think if there's a comparable one. Maybe the Dino Land one over at Animal Kingdom is as maybe, as, but it's as big, or maybe it's not even. But as But it's big. not as cool, and it's not also as cool. it's may also not be there by the time this. But also, sorry to Heather, um, <laughs> fan favorite Heather, who was on the podcast and worked there because I know she worked at the Dino oh, Land yeah, playground, yeah. and that one is cool. Was well, not as cool as the Redwood Creek. It was cool. No, it really was cool. Like we had a good time with Ray there, but the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail, I think, has it has it beat. Also, as much as most people don't know about it and it is underrated, I think it deserves pointing out that one of our favorite stand-up comics, Patton Oswalt, has a great little <laughs> yes. bit about how he took his daughter there, took her to the challenge trail, and found that within that, down at the bottom. Uh, there's the spirit cave yeah. where you can be assigned your spirit animal. And he has a whole bit about how one of the animals is the skunk and yeah. what that could possibly do to a, a kid who receives the skunk as his spirit animal. But I'll, I'll leave that to it. Or to Patton. I think it left more of an impression on Patton. Ma- maybe. But... Maybe there was some projection there. Who knows? Yeah. But... <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. That was fun going through our list of underrated stuff. And you know what? We only had one that overlapped. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to have more. I had a few more I didn't get to, but we'll save that for the next time Adam can make it. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Well, you all know if you're looking to book a Disney trip, Disney Universal, Disney Cruise, any of that stuff, um, reach out to me. You can find our price quote stuff on our Instagram page uh, or just DM me and I'll send you all the fun stuff. And with that, I want to thank Ryan for joining the podcast this week. And we will see you all again next week. And my many thanks to the two of you who didn't turn this off 30 seconds in. I send you my undying gratitude and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, unpaid intern. Hey, my pleasure. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.